Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? Well, I'm going to send thee eight by eight. Eight for the eight that stood at the gate. Seven for the seven that never got to heaven. Six for the six that never got fixed. Five for the gospel preachers. Four for the four that stood at the door. Three for the Hebrew children. Two for Paul and Silas. One for the little bitty baby was born, born, born in Bethlehem. Hello, welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Faith is a welcoming community growing closer to and more like Jesus. We're making Christ known, joyfully serving each other, our neighbors, and all God's creation. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thanks for listening today. Please open your Bible to Luke chapter 10, beginning at the first verse. Today's podcast is for the third Sunday in Lent, March 20th, 2022. The title of this podcast is named after that Sunday school song I began with, Children, Go Where I Send Thee. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning at the first verse. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Now when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe off from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God has a mission. And for that mission, God has created, called, and equipped the church, including you and me, the people of Faith Lutheran. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says, just before he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Matthew chapter 28, right? Uh, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching them all I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always. We call this the Great Commission. And it evokes images of brave missionaries venturing off to remote godless tribes. Or maybe you think of those bullhorn evangelists on the street corner angrily yelling incoherent theology at passers-by. Or do you think back to the time that the pastor urged everyone to invite a friend to worship on Easter Sunday? If those are your ideas of the Great Commission, it begs the question, what's so great about it? What's so great about angry theology, outdated colonialism, or arm-twisting to get loved ones to come to church to sit through yet one more incoherent sermon from the pastor? Not that faith ever has to deal with that last one. 
This reading from Luke chapter 10 shows us a very different sort of great commission. It suggests that God's mission is not for us to convert other people, but to make us into disciples. That God's mission is not about evangelism or recruitment. That God's mission is discipleship, making, growing us closer to and more like Jesus. And God does this not by, in, not by us inviting people to go to church, but by inviting the church, you and me, to go into the neighborhood. So today's reading invites us to set aside our preconceived notions of where God is and what God is doing. In fact, the, the very idea uh, that missionaries bring God to the godless is unbiblical because according to the scriptures, there's no place that you and I can go where the spirit isn't already present. God is loose in the neighborhood. The Holy Spirit is always at work in the world. Each person you meet is a precious child of God, created in the image and likeness of God, animated by the same spirit. No one can take a breath apart from the spirit of God. So the first thing that Jesus tells this group of 72 followers is to go out into the surrounding neighborhoods and towns, not to recruit, but to relate. The classroom for discipleship is out that door. To become disciples, our main teachers are our neighbors. To be a disciple is to follow Jesus, and Jesus is out there. The harvest, um, according to this passage, the harvest is plentiful. And, and it's plentiful long before you, me, or Billy Graham show up. It says that there's an abundance of life and fruit that's just waiting to be experienced, tasted, and shared by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our job to recruit more workers. Only the Lord of the harvest, God, can do that. So whatever work that we're called to do, it's not a call to harvest souls. Jesus is very clear in Matthew chapter 13 that that, that kind of judgment, that kind of sorting people out, gleaning the good from the bad, that's above our human pay grade. Harvesting is the work of angels, not disciples. So what's our job? Well, our job out in the, in the harvest field is, is to follow Jesus, to do what Jesus does and to go where Jesus goes. So he sends us into, our, into the community because that's where Jesus is. And Jesus says that our demeanor and attitude is to be like that of him, that we're called to be sheep, not wolves, or little Christs, as old Martin Luther would say. Scripture says, have the same mind and attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be wielded. It's not something to be used as a weapon. No, we're to be sheep among our neighbors, not wolves. Our job is to pray for people, pray with an A, not pray on people, as in pray with an E. We're sheep, not wolves. Love doesn't insist on its own way. We're called to be humble, curious, gentle, and kind as we walk into the neighborhood. Then Jesus says to go empty-handed and open-minded. Don't carry around a lot of baggage. Don't carry a lot of expectations or assumptions about other people. You got to be open-minded to be a student, to learn. We're the ones being sent to learn from others and from the world around us. 
So we're called to accept the hospitality of others. Try new foods. Try new theologies. Trust the Spirit. Trust yourself and trust other people. Say yes. Again, this is the Jesus way. Uh, Jesus himself was kind of a couch surfer. His only home was wherever he was invited. So Jesus is calling us into the, into the world to follow him, to become more like him, to grow closer to him. And we do that by doing what Jesus did. What we are to bring, Jesus says, is not a lot of baggage, but to bring an open mind, a positive attitude. He says we're to be bearers of peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding. We show up into a, a home and, and we, we bring a word of blessing to share. Peace be to this house. We come in peace, we say. And then we share an insight that is given to us, that, that God is here. God is loose in the neighborhood. The kingdom of God, it's all around us. And then Jesus says, heal the sick. Now, now the word for healing here is therapeo, like therapy. So, so the invitation is to, is to be therapeutic toward people. To, it's a kind of healing ministry that comes in the form of showing care and compassion, a foot massage, a bowl of chicken noodle soup, or taking time to listen. After all, the kingdom of God has come near. And a little bit of kindness goes a long way. When we moved into our house here in Shelton, we had a neighbor across the way that played loud music all night long. One morning, we left a plate of cookies on her front porch as sort of a peace offering. I went off to work, but Brenda told me that around 11 o'clock that morning, our neighbor walked over to our house with the plate of cookies and a six-pack of Coors. Brenda was out in the front yard doing some yard work. I don't eat cookies, our neighbor explained. But would you like a beer? And Brenda said yes. She accepted the offer, and over the next hour or two, a neighbor shared her beer and told her story. As a result, not only did the all-night music go away, but we had a new friend now, and the neighborhood grew just a little bit warmer. The kingdom of God had come a little bit more clearly into focus. Now, the last couple of verses we read from Luke chapter 10 were about woes and Sodom, and it gets a little scary at first glimpse, but in fact, it's just describing what you and I already know, that the world is beautiful and bountiful and full of the Holy Spirit, and at the same time, there are some folks that are just toxic, angry, bitter, and just plain mean. There's very little that can be done for these folks, and their fate is lined up with the most famous group of toxic, bitter, angry, mean people in the Old Testament, the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, contrary to popular belief, the sin of Sodom was not sexual. It had to do with hospitality, the Bible says that the people of Sodom were punished for their hostility and violence against the vulnerable, including immigrants and refugees, women, the very old and the very young. The story in Genesis 18 says that the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah was very great, even before Abraham and his family were accosted. But the final straw was when Abraham, the chosen one of God, entered the city and requested safe lodging for the night for he and his family. And instead, the city folk tried to take advantage of them. 
Some communities are so close-minded, Jesus warned, so wound up, so self-righteous, so ravenous. Well, they're like Sodom. They can't bear to welcome the kingdom of God. And so being a sheep means that sometimes we just need to walk away. So to kind of summarize this whole thing, you could say that God has a mission for the people of faith, and that mission is discipleship. We're called to uh, deeper and closer discipleship, relationship to God in Christ Jesus. God's mission for us, in fact, is to grow closer to and more like Jesus. That's why God sends us into the neighborhood, because that's where God is. And God is already at work. And the harvest is plentiful. There's so much to learn and to experience out there. So God sends us out two by two to remind us that we're all in this together. God sends us as sheep, not wolves, with open arms, open minds, to offer a word of peace and an ear to listen. Because with every interaction, every meal shared and kindness showed, the kingdom of God is made more visible, more tangible, and our hearts and lives increasingly conform to that of Christ Jesus our Lord, who is, after all, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. All right, last thing. If mission and discipleship happen out there, then that lets us think about our worship life a little bit differently. Listen to how the story in Luke chapter 10 ends. I'm going to move down to verses 17 through 21. 17 through 21 tells us that the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. See, after spending the week seeing God at work in the harvest fields of the neighborhood and everyday life, the 72 disciples gather with Jesus to share their stories. Their stories fill one another with joy. Their stories inspire faith and hope. Even Jesus is filled with joy. I think that's what worship is. So may our worship life together be marked with a similar sense of joy in the presence of one another, in the telling of our stories, and in the presence of Jesus. These last few weeks around faith and in our nation and world have been pretty rough. And it's right, and there are times for us to be able to cry and grieve and lament together. But I also always want faith to be a place where we're able to share our stories of joy, our, our stories of demons submitting, of snakes getting trampled on, of beer and cookies on a Monday morning. And most of all, the kingdom of God being revealed to little children like you and me. So children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? Well, I'm going to send thee two by two, two for Paul and Silas, one for the little bitty baby that was born, born, born in Bethlehem. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks, Chaz, for your weekly production help on this podcast. 
I'm grateful to the people of faith for sharing your stories and your journey of faith with me. Our website, www.faithshelton.org, has resources for growing closer to and more like Jesus, ways that you can connect with the larger faith community. Hope you'll sign up for our weekly emails. You can like us on Facebook, make a financial donation to faith, even subscribe to this podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And I hope this, this uh, podcast, this message has been a blessing to you as it has been for me to write and to share. I leave you with a blessing from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Seek God, calling on the name of Yahweh. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to Yahweh, who will have mercy on them and freely forgive. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.